This is Purple Radio On Demand. I'm Lion Clark and we're listening to the election 2019 interviews of Purple Radio. We're interviewing all five of the candidates for the City of Durham constituency, hearing what the candidates themselves have to say about the issues at the heart of the general election. I'm joined now by Jonathan Elmer, standing for the Green Party. Thank you very much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Um, so first thing we're just sort of posing is, would you be able to summarise your local constituency's specific manifesto in one minute? I'll do my very best. One minute isn't long. Uh, looking specifically at students, uh, students are a huge issue for Durham City because the university is growing so fast and, the, and obviously the Vice-Chancellor is very unapologetic about that rate of growth, but it has a massive impact on the city of Durham, which is actually quite a small city. And it has a massive impact on students as well, who I feel are being increasingly commoditized. So less focus on the growth of students and their learning and and their individual needs and more focus on them as a chunk of money coming into the university which collectively adds up to the, most of the income of the university. I think that has to change. The Green Party has policies to change that. But at the same time, very concerned about the sort of housing that students have to live in, the cost of, of college accommodation and the standards of the very expensive rented accommodation. Uh, all of that needs some serious thought consideration. Perfect. Thank you, Jonathan. And um, so you mentioned things surrounding student housing there. Now, that is being prevalent issue. It's something that um, probably already itself has been investigating right. over the past year. Um, so we're just wondering, so issues surrounding this area. So some work has been done to resolve these issues. However, housing remains an um, unnecessary major cause of stress among students. So what do you propose to deal with this further? Well, I think that the County Council has a, a role to play here, as well, especially when it comes to the private rented sector. So when you're just getting digs out of college uh, and it, there's a licensing process that the council is able to administrate and that requires landlords to bring their houses up to a certain standard. We want to see that licensing requirement rolled out to every landlord, not just a certain few who, at the moment, it's only those who take in a certain number, above a certain number of students. That needs to be covering everybody. So every rented household reaches habitability standards that we really need. That's really important, I think. But at the same time, the, the rent prices are really high as well. But they're still not as high as the colleges. So the Durham, uh, the university has a big part to play there. And actually, uh, it's really quite important that the Dur that Durham University stops looking at the private rented sector as a, you know, just as a, as an easy means of providing, you know, enabling it to get more students into the university. We want the university to build more colleges, build more colleges on its own land. It calls itself a collegiate university. So let's be collegiate and build colleges. Okay, fantastic. Um, we're just going to now go on to some bright, broader top national topics now. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, we always have to keep bringing up. It's been three and a half years since we voted to leave the EU, yet we still haven't left. Um, so if you were elected as an MP for Durham, how would you and your party work to get us through this crisis? Well, uh, it, it really is an appalling crisis. And lots of people predicted the quagmire that this and might end up in as it very well has and if we end up voting for a party Conservative Party or the Brexit Party who want to continue to push for Brexit that doesn't mean everything is over I mean it actually means bogged down into another many more years of negotiation of trade deals with other countries around the planet so whilst those negotiations are taking place the, the, the deals will be trading on the terms will be trading on 
will be very poor indeed, will really impact upon British business, imports and exports. So that's very concerning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Green Party feel that now we know so much more about this situation, it really is appropriate to say to people in the country, it's ready to have another vote on whether or not we should go forward with the deal that's been negotiated. And Greens strongly support remaining in Europe, and we will campaign for that. Uh, the reason we feel that that's so important that we remain in Europe is because this is, the, the world isn't all about Brexit. Mm. <laughs> and and, and uh, it's so much more important that we focus on the really big issues that the planet faces, like the climate emergency that's looming, especially on people in the younger generation. Mm-hmm. You can only deal with things like that together, collectively, working together with your partners, not in isolation. So us isolating ourselves and sort of stepping off and, and relinquishing our influence over the rest of Europe is a is a very retrograde step when it comes to tackling the climate emergency. And just on that area of the climate emergency, obviously being the Green Party, that is a major part of your manifesto. The UN report stated that last year we have until 2030 to avoid irreversible damage to the planet. Um, So how does your party propose to deal with the climate emergency? Uh, Well, this is principally through a policy that we've developed actually about 10 years ago now, called the Green New Deal. And you've probably heard of the Green Mm -hmm. New Deal because the Labour Party talked about it all the time. And now it's talked about a lot in the United States as well. But it actually came from our Caroline Lucas, who proposed it as a means of addressing regeneration of the nation after the the banking crisis from about nine or 10 years ago. At the time we proposed it, uh, and and it was pretty much ridiculed by by all mainstream parties, but now people are taking it on board. And what the Green New Deal actually means is looking at every sector of the economy, uh, housing, industry, farming, uh, and thinking how can we decarbonise all of this? And so we need to go through that transition. It's not going to be cheap, actually mm. really quite expensive. That's another question entirely, I guess. But it needs to be done. Uh, we, As you say, we need to have really... I mean, we should have been starting this 10, 20 years ago, mm. not looking backwards to 2030, 2050. Uh, there's no point continue, continuing to kick this can down the road. We need to do to deal with it now. And just sort of on that, so now, obviously there's been has been an increase in awareness of these climate issues. And said so we should probably should have started this maybe ten years ago, but there has been a big increase for the last year. Um, but Green Party is still only pulling around two percent or four percent in some yes. areas. So where do you think that is coming from? Oh, well, the reason for that is simply because of our electoral system. It's a first past the post system. Mm. Uh, that's it's not because people don't like green policies or green ideas. In this country, because of first past the post, you vote for the party who is winning or the party who you think is most likely to be able to defeat them. Yeah. So people come up to me after I've given presentations, for example, and say, I'd love to vote for you, mm-hmm. but it's a wasted vote, you'll never get in. So it's not about people not caring and supporting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. green issues. It's the fact that they see getting rid of the Conservatives or Labour, whatever, the two major parties, as, as the only avenue available to them during an election. Very sad, indeed. And we need electoral reform, and, and we need to bring in proportionate representation. Mm-hmm. And now, we, there is potentially the, the idea that there might be a hung parliament, or will, will need to be an amalgamation of parties to hold. So do you not still feel that there is potential there that, you know, to, to your voters, or the people who may potentially be your voters, that there are considering your policies or something that you align to what do you say yes, to them? indeed yeah and we do i mean there are constituencies around the country where we do stand a very good chance in where we came second last time for example so we're the main contender mm-hmm. it's worth voting for us so we've got places like bristol isle of wight sheffield 
uh, obviously Brighton. So we, we stand to potentially increase our number of MPs during this general election. If there's a hung parliament, that will put us in a strong position to influence thinking on both sides of the House. Uh, we won't form uh, any form of, of alliance with other parties if there is a hung parliament. We'll vote for bills that we agree with and we'll vote against them if we don't agree with them. It's, there's not going to be some any sort of agreement, for example, like the coalition okay. that took place. And um, so just on to uh, another matter which is of sort of prevalent importance at the moment, the NHS is yeah. under immense and unprecedented strain at the moment. Um, so what do your party propose to alleviate this just nationally as a uh, Green Party, some of the pressures of the NHS and staff that they're under? Well, you're absolutely right. It's an appalling situation that people working in the NHS now face with a massive lack of, of nurses, for example, and, and the, the Conservatives pretending everything's okay whilst children are lying on the floor being treated without a bed <laughs> and pretending that they're putting more new nurses in than they actually are. I mean, it's just embarrassing, frankly, the state of politics in our country. And it's frankly appalling what has been happening to the NHS. We know that uh, you know there are, there are trade negotiations taking place now that are really being pushed by big American drugs companies. They want to be able to sell into the NHS at a much, much higher price. And at the moment, the NHS, because of its size, it's one of the biggest public sector employers on the planet, I think, because of its block, it, that gives it block purchasing capabilities. It can really drive to get the very best deal for purchasing of drugs. And the US drugs companies don't like that at all. So they want to see it broken down into much into many, many smaller units. Effectively, this is privatising the NHS. And that's what the Conservative administration have actually already started to do with primary care trusts. So we're going through a process by which eventually, you know, when the time is right, the NHS will be sold, will move to an insurance model. People like Jacob Rees-Mogg. Uh, and, and the Prime Minister have, have often said they would support such a model. So I think it's a it's a very black day for the NHS if the Conservatives end up getting elected. And so what specifically what do you believe your party? So it says, you know, you've said 100 billion a year to cut greenhouse gas emissions, but only about 6 billion a, um, every year on the NHS. So, Which so is quite a considerable amount, to, to be fair, uh, and, and comparable with, with what the Labour Party are proposing. Uh, but yes, money does need to be injected into it, but it's not just about money. It's about, uh, you know, there are aspects of the way we provide care that need to be improved as well. So, for example, uh, mental health care needs to be put on a parity with physical health care. The social services need to be, if you like, amalgamated with the NHS so that the NHS doesn't end up sort of... Yeah, it's, it's about treating problems at cause and actually and make creating a situation so whereby the NHS isn't having to deal with such an emerging health crisis in the first place. Mm -hmm. So general health and well-being of society is a really important issue for the Green Party. And that's about exercise, the food mm -hmm. we eat, our lifestyles, our jobs, our climate, our nature, uh, the way we travel. All of that actually integrates to make us healthier people and reduce strain on the NHS. Mm -hmm. And... Sort of just within those proposals of sort of the hundred billion for um, greenhouse gases, six billion for NHS, um, they are quite a considerable amount of you know expenditure. Yeah. So just wondering without those sort of without doing massive increases in tax or you know neglecting other sort of important aspects of society, how do you plan to fund that? Okay. Uh, well, there will be increases in tax. I'm not. I'm going to pretend that that's not going to happen. But but we're going to get. 
it's quite a lot to say here, so I'll try and mm. be as efficient as possible in the way I say this. First of all, our taxation system is archaic and creaking beyond belief. We want to mainstream. We want to sort of streamline the the taxation system. At the moment, you've got various different forms of income tax, for example, mm. uh, capital gains tax, income tax. Uh, uh, national insurance, uh, so all of these sort of different forms of tax we want to amalgamate together into one income tax. We also want to create something called the universal basic income. Now this is very important because it provides a safety net for everybody who isn't that wealthy or doesn't have a job. This is a question of taking all of the benefits that people currently are able to claim, putting them together into one big pot, sharing them out evenly across the entire of society. Everyone's entitled to that, whether they're in work or not, whether they're rich or poor. It's a universal basic income. Uh, and that means that, for example, the lower tax bands on on, in, on your income aren't that relevant because you've got another form of income if you're poorer. Uh, so, yeah, it's a streamlining of the tax system. We want to obviously raise the tax bands for the wealthy, uh, wealthiest in society so that those people pay more of their fair share. We want to make sure that those people are able to absolutely avoid paying tax altogether by shoving their money in, in you know, various dark corners around the world, <laughs> tax havens, that, that we can track them down and make sure that they're paying their proper level of tax, especially big corporations mm -hmm. like big coffee providers and Google and Amazon and all of those who manage to pretty effectively avoid having to pay corporate corporation tax in our country altogether. And also you've got some very wealthy individuals, billionaires, the, the likes of the people who own the Telegraph and the Sun and the Mail, none of whom live in this country and are able to make sure that they personally, on their huge fortune, are able to avoid paying tax in our country. There's some pretty wicked people around sort of pulling the strings in our society and we want to shine a light on them. Uh, actually, there's quite a bit of money to be made there, particularly through tax avoidance. And also we want to... Uh, essentially scrap many of the vanity projects that the previous administration has brought in that really aren't helpful to our nation. So HS2 in particular, Trident as a nuclear deterrent, so both scrapping those two will save us a lot of money. Uh, yes, so there's plenty of places where, I mean, and look at our manifesto, we, we, it is balanced. And the last thing I should mention actually is that we'll be introducing a new tax called the carbon tax. And this will, uh, will, you know, anybody involved in the carbon generating activity will pay a tax in accordance with the level of carbon generated. Okay. And quickly, lastly, um, just on your, your another part of your party manifestos is the scrap tuition fees um, yes. for university students um, and writing off the current debt of current students. Yes. Considering econ um, economists have estimated the cost of doing this about 33 billion, do you feel this is entirely feasible for? Yes, it is. Uh, and we have costed it. And I've just ex explained to you precisely where we're going to find the income to do all of those things. Uh, it is feasible to do this. Uh, it has to be done as well because we have to move back to a situation where individuals going to university, that, that their costs are covered by the whole of society and not them as an individual. It benefits everybody to have a university system, to have our uh, students from our country go to university and learn and be able to compete in, in a modern world. And we don't think individuals should be solely responsible for paying for that. It not just impacts on those individuals, it impacts on the way universities operate because individuals, students, become the source of income, which has had a, you know, really quite appalling effects on Durham University here. So yes, very much see that as feasible and a worthwhile thing, an important thing to do.
Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Jonathan Elmer, um, for joining us here on Purple Radio for this interview. Um, if you like um, what you've heard here, you can vote for the Green Party on Election Day. Um, but if you still haven't made up your mind, you can also listen to your other interviews from the candidates from the Labour, Conservatives, the Liberal Democrats and the Brexit Party. I've been Naomi Clark. Thank you very much. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.